Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. <laughs> uh, well, how are you doing today? I hope you're doing uh, well. I'm Ben. I want to welcome those watching online in our other campuses. Uh, so glad to see you. Uh, I was really praying for this service. We have four services a weekend on this campus, and this was the service I was praying for the most this weekend because there's a 10 a.m. game. <laughs> and my prayer was, Lord, let someone show up today. And so glad to see so many of you here uh, as we continue a series called A, a Better Us. Um, and it was interesting, I was uh, reading uh, in the Bible uh, uh, today, and it was in the book of Job where it actually talks about uh, the, the hawk, and it says, may, may the wisdom of the hawk soar. And do you know what it says about the stealers? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> Abyss, darkness. No, I don't. <laughs> well, I'm just having, having, having a little bit of fun today. And before I, I, I get into it, and w- last week we, we started out week one uh, considering a better us through better understanding. I sent out an email the week prior uh, that had a test or a version of the Enneagram on that. And, and it's a test that can be helpful to understand yourself so you can know how you operate in relationships, not only your personality, but motivations behind it, and other people as well. I had people come in today saying, hey, I'm a seven, I'm a nine. And so if you didn't uh, take that test, or you didn't get the email, or you deleted it because you're a sinful person, then one of the things that you can do is on your connection card, put your name and email address, and just put test, and we will send that uh, out to you. Because it starts with better understanding. And to help me understand uh, who's here today, I just want to see, you know, when it comes to this uh, marriage relationship, we're talking primarily about marriage and dating, although there's going to be applications everywhere. Uh, How many people here uh, are, you've been married uh, five years or less? Any? Okay, a few few of you there. Uh, How many of you, uh, you're single? Okay, yeah, okay, good. Look around. There's opportunity everywhere. Uh, how many of you uh, have been married 20 years or more? Well, okay, a lot. Okay. How many of you 40 years or more? Wow. Let's give them a hand. And uh, you, you should get up here and preach uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting uh, that no matter how long we've been in a relationship or how short a time, we understand that there's a dynamics will change over time. And, and there's, there's really a consensus, not only from Christians, but from a secular psychologists, that there are different stages in a relationship. And, and, and that is remarkable because there's consensus on so few things in our society. Uh, uh, someone uh, sent me this. I mean, you think about this. Uh, in the Jewish faith, uh, when do you become an adult? Does anyone know what age is that? Uh, yeah, 13. 13 is the age. Uh, and for the DMV, it's what age? 
16. Movie theaters, it's 17. The army, it's 18. The uh, liquor store, it's uh, 21. Uh, rental car agencies, 25. And Alaska Airlines, two. <laughs> so, uh, so when you think about, we can't even agree on something that simple, but there's a general agreement that we are going to walk through stages in any relationship. You can apply this to a work relationship, parenting to uh, extended family, friendships as well. Uh, Solomon, who was the wisest person who ever lived besides Jesus, wrote this, and we're, this is your first scripture in your outline if you want to take that out. He, he says, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. That, that is uh, great advice. And he's really saying, you know, that relationship you began, uh, if you can continue that in a healthy way, uh, then you're going to be blessed. And we know that that is God's uh, intent. I know for some of us, we haven't experienced that. We've experienced the pain of breakups, of, of divorce. And so there's a lot of question about what do you do during the different seasons of relationships? Uh, Jesus was asked that question by the religious leaders of the day. And, and I, I want to go through this passage of Scripture. It's a little uh, longer passage. Uh, then some of the Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? This was the culture of that day. Jesus responds. He goes, haven't you read, uh, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them, male and female, uh, and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We talked about that last week. The goal isn't to tolerate each other. The goal isn't to just stay married and be miserable, but that you would be one, one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And then they ask the question, why then, ask, uh, they ask, did Moses command, uh, and, and it's sort of interesting, he didn't command that a man uh, give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not that way from the beginning. So Jesus, he didn't really answer the question. He, he does say it's not God's intent that relationships fall apart, that there's pain, that there's uh, the breakup and, and all of that. In fact, in the Bible, some of you were raised in religious environments, and uh, you, you, you heard, uh, you know, God hates divorce, and He does. He hates the pain of it. He doesn't hate divorced people. Uh, there, the reality is things happen, but it, that's not God's intention. And even if you're on the other end of a marriage breakup, my, my goal for you is that you would understand the path that God would have for you in your next relationship, whether it's romantic or whether it's not. That God has a, a plan for you, but it's walking through these various seasons. And so what I'm going to do uh, today, there's going to be a few less fill-ins, but we're going to spend a little more time on how to navigate the five phases of almost every relationship. The first phase of almost every relationship is romance. Uh, now, in a work, uh, we would call this the honeymoon phase, but in uh, marriage, uh, dating, we call this romance. This is the stage where you lose your mind. 
This is a stage when you don't have, when you're not able to think clearly, uh, and it's wonderful. It is awesome. Uh, I often talk to couples during this stage when they ask me if I would perform their wedding ceremony. And they're like, and I say, hey, you know, what are the challenges you're facing? And then I usually get a giggle. Challenges? We are in love. There is going to, I mean, I mean it, I've, I've literally, there is going to be no problems whatsoever. And I said, hey, why don't you come back in three years? Anyway, <laughs> and bring your therapist with you. So, uh, uh, we, we, no, it, romance is a wonderful phase. Uh, it lasts uh, 8 to 18 months or 6 to 24 months, depending on what uh, literature uh, you read. I was at a high school reunion on Friday, and as I was there, by the way, those are always freaky to uh, see people from uh, way back when. And as I was at my high school reunion, uh, People talked about their uh, marriage relationship. Some of them had breakup and divorce. Uh, others had been married for a long time. And they asked how long I'd been married. And they said, well, we've been married 26 years. And uh, they said, you know, they were asking, well, how long did you date or were you together and all of that? And some of them, many years before they were married. And they said, well, what about you? And I said, well, we met in May. We got engaged in September and were married in March. And they're like, but you didn't even know each other by then. I said, that was my strategy. That really was. <laughs> so, uh, it was not unintentional. Uh, I see, during the stage when she wasn't thinking, I thought she would say yes, and she did. And she's living out the consequences now for about three decades uh, of that. I don't recommend that if you're, if you're here and you're a teenager and you heard that. Uh, forget what you just heard, you know, <laughs> like the Jedi mind trick there. So, uh, you get this idea. In, in the Bible, there's a whole book that's really about this stage called the Song of Solomon. It is, if you really understood it in, in sort of the context of Hebrew culture, you would know how steamy a book this is. Now, here, here's Solomon and his wife, and uh, well, at one point they're not married, but during this stage of, of romance, and then they're married and they have this passionate relationship. So, she says this, "'My beloved is mine, and I am his.'" He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. You know, in the last 20 years, I've never heard language like that. Uh, don't you get the idea that these two do not have young children? They really don't. Uh, so, yeah, you get this, but they're in this romance stage, and it is wonderful, and God uh, ordained that uh, as well. And, and after romance, there comes another stage that's a little more tricky. We call this reality. Yeah, reality is morning breath, uh, bills that need to be paid, uh, it's differences in family relationships. Uh, like my wife and I, we didn't realize how different our families were. We didn't think it would be uh, a big deal. She's actually with her family this weekend. And, and, you know, sort of like that old, I think, old Sister Sledge song, you know, We Are Family, that's sort of like her family uh, theme and song. And my family thing and song is uh, I don't want to go to rehab. And so, uh, <laughs> so that sort of, you know, and so that caused some tension in the relationship. And, and so, when we face uh, reality, um, we, 
we have a choice what we're going to do. Are we going to just say, hey, romance is over, I'm gone? Or am I going to walk through the reality? Now, a reality is a good thing. Reality is how a st strong marriage is built when someone knows you and they know the good and the bad and they love you anyway. And you know what that is? That's what every human wants. We all want that level of acceptance, that someone sees us. They see us for who we could be, but love us for who we are. There's an example in the Bible uh, of, and, and you need to know the context, because otherwise it seems uh, like a Abigail, this lady, and uh, Nabal, her husband, that she's being pretty rude. Well, Nabal was sort of a hothead, and he wasn't really smart, and so uh, King David was fleeing from Saul, and he's basically a homeless guy with a huge army. And so you don't really want to uh, make a homeless guy with a huge army mad, but uh, Nabal does that. He's rude. He's demeaning to David. And Abigail understands this is not going to end well. And this is what we read. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She, she wanted to make things right. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my Lord, that wicked man, Nabal her husband. Uh, he is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. And, and, and it's sort of a funny story, but it's sort of a sad story too. You get the sense that this is not the first time that she had had to cover for him, but she did, and she knew that there were some challenges with, with him. It, it's like this. We... Uh, we have this, and uh, I'm going to use these two cups as an example. When you, when you first get uh, married or you're dating, you're in the romance stage, right? Uh, it's like, ooh, kissy, kissy, kissy. And uh, yeah, that's what it says. It's somewhere in the Bible. I don't know where. But the, uh, so, uh, and, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say, uh, you know, this is a husband, this is a wife. And then there's uh, someone uh, doesn't pay the bills on time. Oh, I don't like that. And, uh, and then uh, they say, well, I could pay the bills on time if you did a little housework. <laughs> but I have a job too. And then all of a sudden, uh, we get in an argument. And, well, uh, you don't take care of the kids, and you don't take me out, and I'm really mad at you, and I'm not sure how I feel about you. And I think I just broke one of the mugs. Anyway, uh, so this marriage did not work out. I just want to let you know that. Um, <laughs> sometimes that happens. It's a sad thing. So uh, what, what happens is uh, we, we get in conflict. And, and something comes out of us. And here's what we assume. We assume, hey, I didn't, I, this didn't happen to me before. But it's because of you that I'm this way. And uh, yes, yeah, some of you are laughing. You've had that conversation. Uh, so, so here's the deal. You've never been in this proximate relationship, and it's different than every other kind of relationship. There, it's not analogous to anything else. 
Because now you have this expectation that you're going to be, you're going to share everything in life and that you're going to be there for each other and that this is going to be wonderful. And when it's not, stuff comes out of us and we say, hey, it's because of you I feel this way. And you, and don't, you know, raise your hand or point to the other person. You made me angry. I'm not an angry person, but you made me that way. And, and, and what's happening? Well, what's happening is there's stuff that was inside of us. And it was inside of you before you were married. Uh, and, and, and I've said this before. If you're sort of a joyful person, uh, if you're dating or engaged, I just want to, if you're, if, if you're a joyful person coming into the relationship, you'll probably be a joyful person inside of it. If you're sort of, you know, miserable, maybe a little sad sack-ish, marriage is not going to solve that problem. It'll it, it, it amplifies who we are. And so we have this stuff coming out, and then what we say is, not, it's not that I have an anger problem, it's that I have a you problem. And then the problems, when we externalize a problem and we work on that together, I've talked about this many, many times, then we can work towards health. When we personify the problem in someone else, then we have what's called an enemy. And that is not a good path. And that can lead to number three, resentment. Dr. John Gottman, uh, who's from this area, uh, uh, arguably probably the best known marriage expert in the world that most, most books are written uh, based on his research in, in, in some way. Uh, and, and he became famous because uh, he could observe a couple for 15 minutes and with 95% accuracy determine whether or not they'd be married in five years. And uh, so 15 minutes, he'd say, yep, 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 nope, nope, nope. And he was looking for one thing. He was looking for contempt. And contempt is the result of resentment. And so it's a real dangerous thing. Uh, and so we need to be careful of that. We see an example of the Bible of a uh, of couple who experienced that. It was King David uh, and his, his wife. Uh, now, we knew things were, weren't going to work out well uh, before David, Saul was king, and uh, his wife was Saul's daughter. And Saul, when they got married, he said, this is a good thing because she will be a snare to him. So he knew something about his little girl that David didn't know, and there was going to be some problems. Uh, we read this after a great battle. Uh, it says, wearing a, a linen ephod, uh, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And so, uh, we don't know what proceeded relationally between him and his wife, but there's such, she reacts in such a way, we know that there's a backstory. And here's the thing, that someone can be doing the right thing, but we can attribute negative uh, motivations. When we get in this resentment stage, it's often hard to get better without help. And so that's why I would encourage you, uh, if counselors are good, our re-engaged ministry is also a great tool. I think you probably need some level of both. That's, if, if you just get counseling without a supportive community, you're going to have a difficulty. It's, it, it may not be effective for you. So you, so you need this, sort of this both and uh, kind of support because you don't see things clearly. They 
you know, your spouse comes home and, and brings you a gift, and you say, oh, they're just trying to buy my affection, planning a vacation, and there's something. And, and so, we get in this mindset, and this is what happens uh, to David's wife. Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. This is after he's, he's worshiping God. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. And things go downhill uh, from there. Things don't really work out in their relationship. There's this uh, tension that's there. Uh, we, we see it in, uh, David writes this, he says, scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. Have you ever been in that place where you feel despondent? And, and, and resentment will lead to us being despondent. despondent. Because it's sort of this, uh, you know, like a Mark Twain said, it's, it's like drinking poison and hoping your enemies die. It really is a poison to your own soul, and it's certainly a poison to any relationship. And so, and so if you're in that stage, and, and relationships can get there, if you stay there, that's trouble. And it can lead to number four, rebellion. Rebellion is not only where reality is set in, but there's resentment, where it's sort of, I don't care anymore. A spouse who spends money without regard to the family well-being, a spouse who uses sex as a weapon, a spouse who escapes to work just to avoid any meaningful conversation, an emotional or a physical affair. And, and, and this, this rebellion, it may, it, it may be a decision, it just may be a natural outcome of where we're at. By the way, there's no, no excuse for it. And I know what we often want to do is say, well, you made me do this. There, there may be an atmosphere, but you make your own choices 100%. You need to own your own life. Now, yes, there can be toxic atmospheres, but rebellion is always a choice. And we see this uh, with King David. He uh, had a, a physical affair. Uh, he's, he's not doing his job as, as king of Israel, uh, defending the nation. He stays home, is up on a roof, and he sees uh, uh, Bathsheba. She's there bathing after her monthly cycle. And so he thinks, hey, she's beautiful. It's that time of the month where she can't get pregnant. And yeah, some of you laughed at that right now too. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, and here's what happened. David sent messengers uh, to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. When she went back home, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. And so, so what he thought couldn't happen, happened. And so now he has a choice. Does he own up? Does he say, you know what? I failed. I made a mistake. I sinned. And what he does is, I think what many of us do is say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make it to where no one knows. And so, he tries to arrange things where she'll be with her husband, and no one will know that it's his child, and that doesn't work. And then he, he does something that's unconscionable to him, and I think everyone else, is he, he orchestrates a situation where her husband is actually killed. And if you would have asked David on the day he got married, hey, are you going to end up 
with a, a resentful spouse who doesn't like you, and then so you're going to have an affair, and then you're going to cover it up, and you're going to betray your leadership position, and then you're actually going to put someone in a situation to be killed, and you're going to lose the respect of your whole family. He wouldn't have said, yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen. He would have said, no, no. And, and, and I'm very careful here because I know that some, some of us have found ourselves in situations where we're just angry all the time, or maybe you've done things that you, you didn't think you would do. And, and here's what I want you to know, that honesty is, is powerful, honest with God and, and someone else, but also that you invite God's power into your heart into your life. Because we don't need to stay there. There's another phase that you can't, you won't necessarily enter into, but you can at any, any time, and that's rebuilding. By the way, rebuilding can take place after reality or after resentment. It doesn't need to go to rebellion. Rebuilding is that, is that where I, I take that thing that was broken and I say, God, I believe that you can rebuild it and you can rebuild me. That, God, you will, can rebuild. That's when, like I said, one of the things I love about a re-engaged ministry is some of the couples who go through that have great marriages. Some are like, man, things aren't working out well and we're not sure where it's heading. And then they say, God, we're going to allow you to have access to it. Rebuilding is powerful. Well, when I was at my, uh, uh, my high school reunion, uh, it, it was sort of fun, and uh, but by the way, I, I, many of you know I grew up in Tacoma area, uh, south of Lakewood, uh, and the football game was uh, canceled due to threat of gang violence, and I'm like, hey, great, nothing's changed in my neighborhood over the years, and uh, so, so we all went uh, there, and we hung out together, and I was leaving a friend of mine, Tim, he said, uh, hey, I have something for you. I'm like, dude, you don't need to give me anything. He goes, no, I do. Uh, it, Tim, I lived with his family right before I went to high school for a number of months. There's a, a story behind that. And he said, hey, when you were living with us, you left some things behind. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, don't worry, man. I, I don't care. I probably didn't. No, he goes, no, my mom has saved the boxes for over 30 years. They've moved many, many times, and I'm like, well, I mean, I so appreciate that, but uh, tell her she doesn't need to do anything. She can just throw them out. He goes, no, I brought them tonight. <laughs> okay, now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. And I'm like, okay. So, so uh, opens up the, I open up the boxes, and there's some things in there. It's sort of like all my important papers. I found my high school diploma, just in case some of you were worried. I uh, also uh, found uh, some books. Some, I collected coins. And so I had, uh, uh, this is uh, old silver dollars. This is half dollar coins between, uh, it's a book uh, for half dollars between 1892 and 1915. And so I'm like, okay, this is good. There's a treasure in here. And let me show you what was in here. Evidently, she was charging me for storing those boxes. Uh, and, and so, and as, as I was going through, and literally in just the last couple days, I was going through some of the papers, and I, there were some letters I'd written to God right after I'd become a Christian. And uh, there were some things, God, I, I, 
I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to… and some things that I was hoping from God. And it was great to see so many of those come to be. And, and there were also those things where it's like, okay, that didn't happen, and it certainly didn't happen the way I hoped it would. And, and as I was praying about the service and I was really listening to what God was saying with, to me, is I, I, there's one thing I know is that God always is willing to do a rebuilding work. And it can just be a brokenness. It can be a sin. In the Scripture, it says in 1 John, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And David, after he had literally lost his leadership, he had lost his marriage, he had lost his kids, he didn't just say, well, that's the way it's going to be. We, we read his prayer in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. And, and I, I hope that relationally things are going well. But if they're not, See, we know that God answered that prayer for David, and God will answer that prayer when we come with a humble heart and say, God, will you do this thing in me? And maybe it's not about a relationship. Maybe it's where your, your spiritual trajectory, you find yourself, you know, not, not in that place where you're pursuing God. And there's always that opportunity to say, God, I just come with an open heart. And I ask you to work in me, and when you work in me, that, that would affect every relationship I have. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.